Welcome back to Beer Time with Books. Oh, Scat's at the end, friend. Woo! Scat is at the end. Um, I just felt like it needed it. We are pretty pumped in the room today because this is the last episode of this season covering a specific book. Good job, guys. We did it. Thank you. This, this is, is our 15? 7th book, 15th episode. Whew. And also, we've been doing this for about a year now. Congratulations, guys. I don't know the exact start date. It we was... started a project and we stuck to yeah, it. Yeah, we really did. Uh, that actually feels really good because it is the end of the season. We, we really have done a whole, a whole deal here. Um, so yeah, that's cool. We're going to be doing the second half of Northwest. Also, I feel like I need to clear the air on something uh, regarding the music that you heard maybe 20 to 30 seconds ago. Uh, we don't really talk about the music because it just kind of is on there, yeah. the intro for um, each one. It is the elephant in the room. It, is the, like to... it is the elephant in the room. So for this episode, um, it's quite different, and it would have already played on part one. The rest of them are like folksy acoustic stuff, but all of the songs are supposed to be um, inspired by the book. We've just read a lot of folksy acoustic books. A lot of books. folksy acoustic books. So on this one, just the explanation of what it even is um, within the UK music scene. There is a hefty dance history. We're in London. They kind of talk about techno music a little bit. So that's kind of the inspiration. It's specifically Jungle using the famous Amen Break. Great documentaries on YouTube about it. So that's the reason it's a little bit different. It still is thematic to the book, in my opinion. Um, I don't know that this book would constitute necessarily a folksy intro. I don't think it needs folksy. It's very urban. It's very, yeah, very urban. London-y urban. So anyway, just wanted to explain why this London. one is like <laughs> heart pounding. They talk about like 90s hip hop a lot. They do, and they, they do have some specific moments when... Uh, when they're growing up that like Leah starts getting into the drug scene a bit more mm-hmm. and goes to like techno raves and things like that. So anyway, quick little housekeeping on that. And she mentions Prince at one point. She does of getting tired of him, which was, uh, no, she said that's the only thing they had left. Exactly. So they were tired of it because of that. But anyway, we're not down to the book yet. That's happening. Uh, <laughs> this is happening later on in the episode. We're going to be getting into, uh, some of the classic corners before we do a review next week. And we're going to talk about what we're drinking today because it's quite unique. Jamie, we'll start with you. Hi, I'm Jamie. Uh, we're drinking some homemade... Listen to that. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. That's, that's uh, a hefty... <laughs> homemade <laughs> Bloody Marys. Um, listen to all the ingredients. Listen to all the accoutrements in that Bloody Mary um, because I wanted to make them. So I don't have a beer with me. I just have water and a Bloody Mary. Nice. I'm also drinking a Bloody Mary. I brought red wine also just for diversifying (laughs) my drinking portfolio this evening. Wow. Um, I'm I'm drinking a beer that Brian bought. That is the Union Jack. Is that what it's called? Union Jack IPA. Topically, Union Jack IPA. I needed to go get it because, again, since this is 
the end of the season, needed to have a beer on Beer Time with Books. So I'm excited for the Bloody Marys, but we got a little thematic beer this time around. Uh, I'm Brian. I'm also drinking a Bloody Mary. <laughs> and uh, I'm also having that Union Jack IPA. We are potentially having maybe a more thick episode. We're all open to it. Thick. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we've ever referred to long episodes as thick, as thick. on the pod. Yeah, maybe not. This, this That's is what that means. Double C. This is thick. So thick. So this is some inside baseball right now. Sorry, guys. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're drinking. And uh, it's been a little bit since we recorded the first episode. It actually went up um, today on my channel. It'll soon have all the episodes on uh, other podcasting hosting services. That's going to be a new surprise for the end of the season. But surprise uh, since last time, there has been new media that's been consumed. So, uh, Jamie. What's some media you've been consuming since last episode? Um, I'm still listening to A Man Called Uva, the audiobook. I took a break from it, and I don't really remember why, but I have been listening to it occasionally in my car. I'm over halfway done, um, and I still like it. Still interested. Um, have I been consuming other media? <laughs> I don't know. Shows? Shows, we're watching the same things, as always. The good place is good. Um, <laughs> I Lives up to the name. Yeah, I don't know. It is good. It's a good place. <laughs> um, I'm still listening to my podcast, NADPOD. Um, I'm upset with Danny right now because she's not caught up I'm to way the behind. most l- recent episode. And the last two episodes, whew, doozies. Doozies, let me tell you. All right? Uh, <laughs> listen to it, everybody. That's all. Um, this is Danny. I have been reading a lot lately. Uh, I completed my 2019 reading challenge on Goodreads. I read 33 books. <laughs> Jamie decidedly did not clap at that. I read 33 Congrats. of my 33, and I finished another one. This morning, uh, I finished a book by A.J. Finn called a, The Woman in the Window, which was a decent mystery book. It had one really, really <laughs> uh, surprising plot twist that I appreciated, but everything from there was pretty standard <laughs> mystery fare. Um, uh, what else? Oh, I recently started listening to audiobooks. I don't remember if I li- started the audiobook, the, my first audiobook on our last episode. So. Yeah, I don't, the I don't, first I don't audiobook I ever listened to was three weeks ago, and it was called From the Corner of the Oval, and I hated it. Um, if you would like to, find me on Goodreads and read my review, so then you don't have to read the book. Link in the description, I guess. <laughs> Please link to I, I my can, Goodreads can, in the description. I think I can do that. Uh you could also just go to that book on Goodreads and probably yes. find and your, look for the most I was scathing to plug review, the most recent <laughs> review. Yeah, um, it was. Uh, it's marketed as a book that is as a type of book that it is not. Anyway, I hated it. Um, <laughs> uh, but I started another audiobook recently by Cheryl Strayed called "Tiny Beautiful Things," and it's just excerpts from her Dear Sugar column. Um, and it's a little self-helpy and chicken soup for the soul, but, um, it's a little more modern and 
Um, I like it. I like listening to it. It feels like a podcast. Um, anything else? I'm still watching Shameless. I'm almost done with season nine on Netflix, and um, it's still very good. Uh, I think that's all. Yeah, that's all. Nice. Speaking of audiobooks, I have also listened to an audiobook since last episode. And it was one of the better audiobooks I've ever listened to. Uh, this is Brian, by the way. Um, <laughs> this was the Ben Folds autobiography. And it was another example that I'm pretty sure I've talked about on the pod before of good production value within the audiobook, where it's not just the narrator narrating the story. There's actual um, just extra pieces of flair here and there and in this instance Ben Folds for people that don't know uh, singer songwriter used to be in Ben Folds 5 back in the 90s um, sometimes if he's talking about a song he'll be playing along a little bit and kind of have that in the background while he's talking about it or if he'll say just like the word bass there'll just be a nice thump <laughs> of an electric bass um, sometimes if there's voicemails from friends of his the actual friend will be on the audiobook with like a tinny sounding voice um and i enjoyed it a lot it was it was really good ben folds was the narrator um which i don't know if i've yet listened to a uh, an audiobook that is an autobiography that has the author speaking i know there are other examples i know that you know tina fey does hers um, among Michelle Obama, Michelle Obama mm-hmm. does hers, um, but this is the first one that I've personally listened to, as far as I'm aware. Um, and yeah, it was a great experience. Um, some of the other books that I'm planning on reading for the end of the year, I'm going to keep that a little bit close to my chest. Um, there's going to be the classic annual best books I've read in blank year at the end of this year on the channel. So that'll be coming up because it is almost December, y'all. It's a week away. Um, so it's pretty exciting and then to continue a little bit of the conversation from last week I talked about a different video game I was playing Outer Worlds and talking about like video games as a storytelling uh, mechanism so since then I've started playing another game called uh, Death Stranding which <laughs> both of uh, both of you guys have seen me play uh, it does dive into the weird side a bit the way I've explained it to some people is like a surrealistic uh, sci-fi horror game um, that a lot of people online say it's not very fun, um, but is compelling as far as the story goes. And that was a common thing with reviews that had gone on with this video game of people being like, it wasn't fun, but it was a fantastic game. So then it started, I started diving into think pieces of like, well, video games as a medium is still fairly young. And there's a lot of time that books have had to refine how that medium is used to tell stories. So maybe video games are still finding their footing, whereas like movies are dramas fun. And this is something I talked to Jeremy about. Are dramas fun? You still are getting question because I think that if you enjoy a story, then you had fun. Like I don't. I the definition of fun, fun but fun in the context of video games is is essentially what. 
like a lot of the conversation was surrounding of like action in your face. You got to be pressing buttons like well, you big need to reactions. Use a different word because fun's not fun. Just means enjoyable. If you're enjoying it, then it is fun. Yeah, well, I, I just think that the the conversations surrounding it are interesting, and I'm really enjoying the game so far. Uh, regardless, I think the narrative is really cool. Uh, it's not. It's nice that you don't like have a, another shooter or whatever. So um, I think it is kind of interesting, and anybody that um, is curious about um, what a lot of people are saying is taking video games into a new territory, it's definitely worth checking out. So yeah, I guess that's. That's been about uh, been about it. So, I have a clarification. Oh, go for it. I didn't hate the book that I read because it was an audio. Like I didn't hate that I was listening to it. I didn't hate it because of what I. I, I do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not Good. because it was an audio book. It's, it's because it's a bad book. <laughs> it's a. I should have led with that. It's a bad book. It was a bad book. Yeah. Was, was the production good? What does that even mean? I don't know. Like good audio quality. She was was the narrator the good? All right. So, it was her. Yeah. It was the author. Okay. And she was annoying. But also like she's. <laughs> but also <laughs> so she's. An, well, but that's the thing. She's. It wouldn't have been less annoying had it been somebody else. Yeah. Because she's annoying. She's annoying as a person. I will just say, <laughs> uh, as a slight pushback on that, sometimes uh, books that I've thought to be bad, I've still enjoyed for audiobooks because the narrator made it particularly enjoyable. Yes. So that's part of why I'm asking she about the not. production of it because <laughs> on Audi- Audible, they have different categories that even go beyond like, was the book itself good? It was like, I think maybe it, it is specifically narrator. production. Yeah, narrator and uh, looks at other factors because obviously it's. You know, there are different ways of telling the story. So I don't know. That, that makes sense. Though. Yeah. I mean, I've just been thinking about it a lot because I've never listened to an audiobook before and I am not, I don't enjoy it as much as I do reading physical books. Um, but based on these last two, on this last one and a half experience, <laughs> uh, listening to audiobooks, but I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. Fair that enough. That it was not a good book. Oh, yeah, last housekeeping thing. I guess I forgot to do it earlier. I'll see if I can get this down in the description. There is a giveaway happening next episode. Uh, let's go. So the rules are basically going to be <laughs> whenever whenever the next episode drops, um, we'll try to say the rules at the very beginning of it. And uh, essentially what's going to happen here yeah, don't is... don't skip. <laughs> essentially, Skippers. Essentially what's going to happen here is we're going to give away um, any of the books that we've read on this podcast we're going to give two books away total but it can be from the seven that we've read um so that'll be one book for two people i guess was that uh is that clear i guess no. one, one book per person they well, have to share a book the two people <laughs> <laughs> there'll be one book two going books to one for person, two people one book going there to it person. is um so <laughs> essentially how we're going to do it it's beer time with books the rules are pretty simple when the episode drops, um, we'll either say at the time to email the YouTube um, Gmail that's associated with uh, the YouTube account that is hosting these episodes currently, uh, Brian's Book Bastion, um, or comment on the video itself. We haven't decided. Yet. We haven't decided yet, but it's this is beer time with books, so the rules are name a beer that we drank. Bloody Marys don't count in this contest. Name a beer that we drank. During the show, and you get a book. You can choose whichever one. It took you one. so long to get to the point of the giveaway. 
so, people were just waiting with abated breath. I mean, I would assume people know that we're giving away something related to the show. But they didn't so. know what they had to do. Yeah, so uh, name a beer, get a book. Um, and yeah, should be a good time. That'll be next episode. But for this episode, we have some unfinished business to take care of. This is going to be part two of Danny's Choice, Northwest by Zadie Smith. Take it away, Danny. Let's do it. <laughs> All right. I have some feelings about the second half. Immediately get into And I really want to hear your guys' feelings, too, before we get into anything. I will summarize it first. But after that, I'm going to go into feelings corner about okay. feelings corner. <laughs> oh, new corner. The new, it's a new corner. Cool. It's cool, called cool. What Are Your Feelings? <laughs> um, okay. So we, we left off um, after part three. Uh, part, wait, where am I? Yeah, that's right. Um, we start with um, host, uh, and it follows <clears throat> uh, Natalie Natalie's life and upbringing um, pretty closely, um, and focuses a lot on, on her friendship with Leah, um, who we learned a lot about in um, the first section. Um, and it's kind of, I mean, she focuses a lot on the direct contrasts of their upbringings and their lives. Um, and their stories kind of weave in and out. Sometimes you get a view of the two of them together. Sometimes you get, um, um, the two of them separately. Um, she, um, we learn that, um, Natalie is like facing, she gets married, she has kids, but she's facing, um, dissatisfaction, uh, in her life. Um, just like Leah is despite, um, kind of like outwardly appearing more successful um she becomes a lawyer right Mm. lawyer she becomes a lawyer and she like makes good money and she has a handsome husband and two cute kids and who's also wealthy right who's super wealthy and so she's pretty i mean she's successful outwardly she kind of has like the dream um but it's interesting to see her story contrasted with leah's um because um, they're obviously both um, pretty unsatisfied with their lives um, for different reasons in different ways. But um, so at the end of that section, we um, we learn that Natalie has been like seeking out like personal ad- answering like personal ads for um, people who are seeking like a third sexual partner person and. Um, I think she answers more than one. Yeah, and pretty unsuccessfully. Like, she, she lists multiple times where she showed up to people's houses or apartments, and then they were like, like, oh, you actually showed up? Oh, yeah. Okay. It and seemed then like they, the like, personal kind of ads didn't do anything. It seemed like the ads were, like, the kind of, like, the couples maybe did it, like, as a thrill, and that was enough. And then, like, she actually showed up and, like, ran into people being like, oh. But she ends up... Um, like meeting these two guys and uh they are also kind of weird about it and it's just a weird situation um so we learned that about her <laughs> um and i think at the end of that section right at the end of that section um her husband uh finds her out um and um we kind of like see that relationship um like her kids are running around in the house when he confronts her about it and he uh we kind of see that relationship fall apart um she kind of uh faces a crisis at this point and um she uh runs into she leaves 
and I, I actually couldn't tell if this was later or this was like she walked out of the house and ran into Nathan. What did you guys... Did you guys... I don't think she went very far. I mean, she was still, like, in that neighborhood because it's all, like, in Right, so the, she just left yeah, to I, another it was neighborhood. Like a, maybe, like, like, she had walked a few blocks and yeah. then ran into... But it wasn't, like, another day or something. No. no I, yeah, I had a hard day. time... I had a hard time following the timeline sometimes in this yeah. book. Like, figuring out if it was a few did, hours just, or days or weeks later. I just don't know how close she actually is because it talks about that she moved away to that Victorian house yeah. with, no, but with she, her husband she and she fought, went back to her old neighborhood. Yeah, she and that's fought where with she saw. him, though, to buy a house that was closer. Oh, Like, okay, when gotcha. they bought the house, she was like, I want to be kind of up where I grew up. And he was like, it's not a nice area. Yeah. So they, she's close, but not like in the center of it. Right. So right after her husband finds her out, um, she uh, storms out and um, kind of just like walks away in a daze. And um, she goes over to back to her old neighborhood and she runs into um, this junkie of sorts named Nathan, who they went to school with, who um, they Leah and her mom ran into in the first half of the book. Um, <clears throat> and they have a series of odd conversations and that she saved nathan as a kid too that was the other connection that they had had right i thought that was the implication that nathan was the boy that they saved what from what leah and uh <laughs> and uh keisha bonded as children over a shared experience of saving a kid from what from drowning i'm pretty sure it was at like a pool was that I, in leah's section i think it was in I thought it was in both, but I don't know. We can mm. we can dive into that later. But I thought that that was the implication is that they saved no Nathan. Of yeah, that. I don't remember that. Do, do you <laughs> recall the part though that they were saying they bonded over the shared like traumatic experience Vaguely. of of saving somebody? They brought, brought up multiple Vaguely. times. Yeah, I, I to, to me, I thought that that was them saving Nathan. But anyway, we can we can move it on. It probably that. was. I was. I don't remember that. Yeah, um, we can move on from that. This is why I have two other people <laughs> reading the book with me. Um. So we get to a point where they're like out on the streets and Nathan convinces Natalie not to throw herself off a bridge. Um, uh, does he? He Well, she decides, she she decides, decides not, not to. to. I don't know that Nathan convinces her. I don't know. I think well, him being there was, I, I thought that he kind of. All right, I'll rephrase that. She wanted to and then she decided not to and he was there telling her not to. I think he was a factor personally. I think he was a factor. I but also, I feel like convinces is too strong of a, for what happened. I just read a review that summarized it in that way and used oh, the word okay. convince. So it wasn't necessarily my word, but. Well, I disagree. I That's <laughs> fine. <laughs> I'll email that reviewer. Email the reviewer. I, yeah, I don't think that he, he didn't like beg and plead, um, but he was there. Um, so then we, we reached the final um, section, um, number five titled Visitation. Um, Natalie uh, visits Leah and Michelle. Um Michelle has found out that Leah was taking birth, uh, Natalie's birth control um, while they were allegedly trying to have kids. And um, he's super upset. Um, and Leah is, this is the point, right, where Leah is like laying in the hammock, mm -hmm. like uh, basically just not speaking to anybody. Um, and um, the book what happens in between? I don't remember what happens in between the book ending then with Leah and Natalie 
Nothing really. There yeah. isn't they, like They're, Natalie just they, kind of talks to Leah. Yeah, she tries to talk to her, and then she's like, "I, I it was the point where woman to woman, she needed me to open up about yeah. a thing, but then she doesn't." Yeah, I think this was <laughs> this was like a way, like a cop out way to do it. It seems personal enough because like it was a situation with again, uh, I don't maybe know. If, this is the case now, but somebody that they had a mutual history with, with Nathan. At the very least, they went to school together, regardless right. of the saving his life thing. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it was just kind of like her copping out, being like, yeah, I had this experience with Nathan, instead of being like, I'm having issues with my life, yeah. like you are. Yeah. Um, which, which is like a theme. Like, Natalie kind of, I feel like, uh, refuses to admit that, like, she I think she keeps thinking that her outward appearance of like success and happiness uh will like trickle down or like you know like influence how she feels inside and she has kind of she kind of is in denial about that I feel like for the whole section um so yeah the book then like ends with Leah and Natalie um coming to the conclusion that they believe that Nathan was like a what is the word I'm looking for? Oh, like a person of interest in mm-hmm. Felix's murder. The end. The end. <laughs> Podcast over. Podcast over. That's the book. That's it. Hope you guys are satisfied. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Quite a packed back half. Yeah, I feelings corner. <laughs> Let's hear it, guys. I want to know your feelings. In which category? Just overall, second half over the book. Do yeah, you, how do second, you feel? second half compared to the first half. Uh, we'll talk about structure in a minute. Um, but just general feelings. The most general feeling I have off the bat is that I enjoyed this book way more than I was expecting to. Um, it's still kind of early because this was finished within the last like 24 hours or so for me. Um but this might be one of my favorite books we've read on the pod so far. I don't, I don't know if it is my favorite necessarily, but I'd say that it's probably in the top three. I'd have to think back on it. But I, I enjoyed it a lot. As far as the second half uh, and how it compared to the first, I think it just helped me appreciate the book more because I thought according to how it had kind of been laid out initially that it would be kind of a – equal split among the four characters that were mentioned on the back and I liked that it wasn't equal because I liked how that affected our perception of some of the other characters that had been focused on and I liked that it did ensure that the narrative stayed with Leah and Natalie uh even with them having interactions with Nathan in between of him being um, supposedly one of the main characters of the book, I'd argue that he kind of wasn't because his section was so minimal on his life. Uh, And so the fact that it really stayed with those two and their story and then had those other characters influence their story in significant ways. I, I thought that that was a lot better than what I was thinking going into it, just being like, Oh, we're just going to get four different lives and 
it's going to give us a nice whole view of the city and the different like socioeconomic levels of the city. And while we got that, it was done in a, a way better way than I was expecting. Um, so I enjoyed it a lot. I thought that was a really good book. Um, I, I also really enjoyed it. I, um, I don't know. Second half versus first half. I started the second half like a while ago, like a few weeks ago. Um, and I read like 15 pages or so and then, um, put it down and didn't pick it back up because I was kind of turned off by the first, the first part of the second half. Um, those first 15 pages of the second half really did not intrigue me, uh, which is the start of Natalie's section. And then when I finally picked it back up to read the rest of it, I think that I realized that I really enjoyed, like, I really enjoyed the second half after I got into it. Um, but Zadie Smith, I think, in this book was really good at creating different voices for the different characters. And I just initially did not like Natalie's voice very much. Like, I think that it's it's really well done, but it feels very, like, cold mm-hmm. and fragmented and kind of, like, calculated. And I just, compared to the other two sections, I was like, I want more feeling in this. But, I mean, that it, it aligns with her character and it makes sense and it's good writing. But... I was, like, not interested in reading it as much. Um, yeah, Leah's was definitely, like, the most fun to read, in yeah. my opinion. Because hers was very loose, and even this... And I know you said we're going to talk about structure a little, little bit later, but just the fact that it was, like, you know, words all over the page, very... You're talking about stream, the structure. You're kind of just, like, <laughs> that, I thought hers was fun, so yeah. It made, I'm like, kind of talking about It, it did make a difference, though, Stop. like, going into the back half. Yeah, and I felt like Natalie's section was way more confusing, like, I don't, I feel, yeah. last episode we talked a little bit about Leah's section being like, I don't know, the timeline or whatever, but Natalie's section straight up, there were like, some of, she has it like almost in paragraphs, the numbered sections, and some of the sections, I straight up would read the whole thing and be like, I have no idea what you just said. Mm-hmm. Like, no <laughs> idea what that was related to, or what it's talking about or how it relates to the next section like I would just be like that seemed like a random thought and I don't get what's going on um but then once I got into like the meat and bones of the of her story I did really enjoy it and I think that I empathized with her a lot towards the end um but it was harder for me to read um I don't know how I feel about the ending at all. Like the last two pages, I just was kind of like, "What?" So I'm going to bring up my comment about the ending. Are you done with feelings, Corner? <laughs> that's, that's feelings. Right. Yeah. Oh wait, I have to. My initial feelings. <laughs> all right. So I was actually pretty. Dis- Buckle up. I was the roast begins. <laughs> strap in, everyone. <laughs> um, no, I didn't dislike it, and Brian thinks this is a roast, but I don't think so. I said earlier that, honestly, (laughs) I didn't really find the second half nearly as memorable as the first half. I don't think that's what I said. I actually said I didn't find anything memorable about the second half. (laughs) Um, That's maybe because I finished it 
over a week ago, maybe two weeks ago. Um, but also, I feel like I, even like brushing up in the last few days, like I, I don't know. I think partially it was because it was a little hard for me to follow. Um, as we have learned from Vineland structure and things <laughs> making fucking sense, <laughs> make. <laughs> It are like <laughs> violent returns, baby. Here it are is like again. they're very, very, very important to me and how much I enjoy a book, regardless of the content. I like how violent has just become a like new measurement of <laughs> like <laughs> the bad book on the from, pod. From violent to a ten, <laughs> how did you feel about it on a scale from violent to ten? <laughs> No, I w- that was more with that, skill. that was more <laughs> my uh, my personal feelings about Vineland, not the pod's feelings about Vineland. Yeah. That was also my personal. <laughs> yes, but aggregate score because I am in the aggregation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Brian brings up the average more than <laughs> what it would be if it were just me and Jamie. Anyway, um, I. Agree with Jamie. I got into it when I kind of got past the first, uh, the first few pages. Um, but I also I was a little actually I was a little disappointed in um, the the weight she gave to each character because uh, partially because I like when I read the Wikipedia just like the Wikipedia summary. Um, or any summary even, it, it's very insistent that like this is a story about four characters and it follows four characters. And so I was straight up like uh, just waiting for, all right, part three is going to be Nathan. I don't know. I just was, yeah. I was very much expecting um, a much more even um, division. And um, like if you had given me this book and like I hadn't read any of the summaries, I probably would have called... Nathan just like a very small supporting character um which like maybe is true and also he's important but I don't know I um that also took some getting used to just because that totally wasn't what I was expecting um but I did really enjoy um the like kind of direct contrast um of Leah's and Natalie's lives um and how I think like she did it in kind of a subtle way at times um and I appreciated that uh she was really Zadie Smith was really um like really just pointed out the obvious like uh you know like Natalie had all of the things she had the dream and she was still just as unsatisfied and in crisis as Leo was um I had another thing that I was gonna say yeah I don't know uh what did you guys feel about the structure of the second half maybe we should i'll just tell you what it is <laughs> <laughs> um they she essentially like numbers it uh like they're not even chapters they're just numbered paragraphs and the the headers like they go along with each number are um are just like main ideas from each paragraph essentially um Sometimes they don't relate at all, and sometimes they are, like, direct quotes. Um, they reminded me of, like, snapshots of, like, it was like an act, like a, like if she had just taken, whatever, 150 pictures and 
named each of them and then was like telling a verbal story about each picture um but I also agree with Jamie in that like occasionally I would get to one of the paragraphs and I would just be like I I don't know where we are in this timeline I don't know like it, how it relates to the previous one I don't know how where it's going like uh so parts of the second half were frustrating for me in that mm-hmm. way um, yeah, I also, I don't know if this is just, like, the way my brain works, and maybe this is bad. Because I think that I've also done this with, like, Vonnegut novels in the past, where he has chapters that are named. I was going to say and the same thing. This would remind me a lot of Cat's Cradle. Yes, mm-hmm. but my brain does a thing where I ignore the chapter title or the section title. Like, I just go from the paragraph to the next paragraph, and I'll read the whole thing and be like, that didn't make any sense. And then I'll look back at the title and be like, oh, and that that's kind of... a big setup like for the kind, joke or something. Yeah, yeah, like, that puts that in context for me. So yeah, I, I did there that were, a few times. There were a lot of times where I would read the thing and be like, what is going on? And then I'd read the title and be like, oh, okay. Um, I don't love... I didn't love that in this context. It felt very fragmentary, and I I don't know. I don't know if I liked it or not. I think that it like it works in parts of the chapter, and then parts of it, it just was confusing to me. So maybe, I don't know how I feel. I can appreciate Zadie <laughs> Smith's, like, uh, experimental, <clears throat> like, the experimental way she writes. Like, I think it's... I think more people should try writing in different ways like this. Like, I mm-hmm. think just overall we should uh, maybe, like, writing should be more visual than it is. Like, I feel like they're just words on a page, and I feel like they can much they can be much more illustrative. And uh, I liked the way that even in Leah's section, I feel like some of the words were tiny when she was speaking softly, or maybe I made that up, but I don't know. I feel like they were they tiny. They were just smaller in general yeah, when there, there was speech. Different- also, similar similar to, Nath- in, similar in to Nathan's, Nathan's section, section, but without too. the dash lines. Yeah. Because um, oh, in Leah's yeah. sections, there were the dashes, and in, yeah. in Nathan's, there weren't. Um, See, and I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> we're having a I conversation. I just don't know. <laughs> I, I appreciate the, the uh, like, attempt at um, kind of experimental writing in that way, and I think that it was effective in some places, but I think it was confusing in other places. Sorry, Brian. I I think I liked um, I liked it in a way that it helped give the personality of each subject matter quite a bit in the way it was written. Um, like with Leah's, the fact that you know the first event that happens is something that kind of throws her for a loop and then her life is kind of uh through her analyzation of things with a more um discerning eye she was starting to have things fall apart a little bit and it kind of started to happen where the the words were starting to go on this or that side of the page within the same sentence or like you know it felt more free flowy and then we learn a lot about how uh, Keisha slash Natalie um, was as a child and up until she was as an adult and how uh, much more like regimented it was because she you know was trying to work so hard and work her way up to a more successful position in life and a lot of it 
um, was her avoiding going off the path she kind of had it set for her and so having everything fall in this numbered list the whole way through um, kind of helped you know signify that a little bit and I liked the way it was done where you know it allowed within these shorter sections allowed enough of a time jump to cover as much ground as it did because I think there was so much that needed to be revealed about Leah from their time as childhood friends because in her section it was kind of a more limited um, time frame. It was really from that initial incident uh, where she had, you know, essentially gotten robbed in her own home to some degree um, up into the point where, you know, we start branching off into everybody else's narratives but it's all in a pretty short time frame and with natalie's we're going from all the way back in their childhood to now and instead of having it be such a linear thing i think it was helpful to have the shorter chapters to illuminate all of those different aspects and so i think it was kind of important to have hers be that way um, and be so dramatically different and it is kind of funny to look back on it now um just the way um, that Felix's section was written after seeing how all the rest of them were, how how boring it was um, <laughs> because of how um, he, he is important, you know. I, I'll say that, but, like, how inconsequential his – the rest of it was. It was just kind of a build-up to – the incident with Nathan and yeah, it, it was important for other reasons, but like it was so boring and it was so short of a time frame that like just to see it written the way that it was for the purpose it served in the greater story. Um, it's just kind of funny to, to show that she just didn't like put this narrative fl- flair on it. As mm-hmm. we talked about last episode, it's a very linear chapter. It's taking place over the course of like a day or two. Um, Whereas the rest of them are kind of getting into all these other uh, reasons as to why they branch off. So I think that that style is also interesting to look back on now. Something that I also think is interesting in relation to that is that I don't understand fully. When we're looking at, like you said, like it's an exploration of four people or whatever. I don't understand how Felix's section is so long and Nathan's is like not even really Nathan's. Like he gets like a few like maybe 20 pages or less and they're also natalie's section Mm -hmm. and but he's such a looming presence though that's that's the thing that's so interesting i feel like i know him by the end of the story like i really don't think i liked i liked that though i liked that we didn't because then it just was like it just kind of showed how he like fell off the map within the rest of their social group from the I, time of their graduation like i, I like get that, that but it. then why why the hell do i know so much about felix who like she like you she said probably, is almost inconsequential she probably really wanted us to invest in him as a, an important character like for the effect like partially for the effect of like him then dying so suddenly and it was just another context of like you know it was another person from their school and how it relates to their story as well so it like fleshed it out enough to show uh like his lot in life in comparison to leah and natalie as opposed to just making it short enough for him to get killed we get into like 
you know, the money that he's spending for a car that like what's available to him. Like it's a lot of that to kind of like personalize that. But I think that just like as a reader, it feels, it feels like I was, I was led up to expect something bigger from that. And then he died. He got murdered. But But no, like even last episode we talked about, after we already know he died, we talked about like, oh, maybe Grace will come up again or like his dad or somebody else. like I there's so many people in that story. The woman in the apartment whose name I don't remember that I feel like I would have wanted to see them connect more rather than just it being the murder incident with Nathan, who I know little to nothing about like. I don't know. I know. I I didn't appreciate that Nathan is, like, feels, like, just by definition, he's not as important, even though he's kind of painted to be as important. Yeah. He's brought up all the time, but just, like, such a, I don't know. There's something literary, literarily significant in there. I understand, like, why she did it. I'm just saying, as a reader, I don't think it's as satisfying, which, like, that doesn't mean that it's bad. No, I agree with you. I have a follow-up question. It is a little bit related. It's related to Felix, but I don't think these two things are related, really. Um, two scenes that stuck out to me. Uh, the first one was just the whole scene with Felix's dad. And in the first... This is in the first half. Um, I'm We're going to cross over back to the first half. Because um, I didn't get to talk about this last time, but... I was reminded of it when there was another scene in the second half. The scene at the playground where somebody is, a kid is smoking and somebody's (laughs) yelling at the kid. And I wanted to know what you guys thought of, the the only reason I'm bringing them up at the same time is because I'm curious why you guys think both of those things, what's the point of both of those scenes? Like, what do you think? I'm just curious. We talked about his conversations with his dad a little bit in the last episode. Like, we talked about, like, uh, situating the neighborhood. Um, Oh, that's true. I forgot a little. His function in that. I only know that because I listened to the episode right before you got here. (laughs) Um, But we did talk about it. Recency. I don't know. I just, I I guess I feel like that both scenes went on kind of for, for a long time. This is just going back to also like her seeming to highlight things that maybe don't actually end up mattering like i don't know i feel like his scene with his dad went on for a really long time and like the playground scene was a lot was several pages and i just was curious like what i don't know because the the at the playground natalie is observing right some lady yelling at a kid for smoking yeah at the playground. and then she joins in she aggressively joins in. eventually yeah of just screaming the same thing over and over at this yeah. young man uh I, I don't know i think a lot of that just from the perspective of like why i enjoyed them being in there is just like world building of you know northwest london first of all from the familial aspect of felix's father and then from the community aspect of how many people got involved with this young man smoking oh, yeah. in the park like it's just kind of shows um you know more of the community at large than just getting as bogged down with uh with leah and and natalie um i I think that it's just kind of important to that because to some degree 
Uh, I know that it's like a cliche to say that, but like the setting here is almost another character. Like Northwest London is like a huge part of this story. And so to get a feeling for more people than just Leah and Natalie and their personal issues, uh, you know, you're kind of getting more of a feel for the community at large and why or why and how they fit into uh, this specific area. And that's kind of what I had, had taken from sections like that, where it was kind of off the beaten path. Like, I just think that it's helpful for fleshing out, you know, this location where we're getting chapters that are like names of the streets. And like, it, I just think it's important mm-hmm. to, to be focused on more than just them. I think that also that section in particular with the playground is like, I don't know. An interesting characterization of Natalie. Natalie is so confusing to me <laughs> as a person. Because there's there's one point in her section where her friend tells her, like, oh, this is, you're just, you're the same you've always been. You're always trying to prove yeah. that you're not the same as the rest of us mm-hmm. or whatever. But in that section with the playground, she kind of, like, and she does this a lot where I feel like she is trying to, like, kind of play by the rules of the people around her. Like, she is in in a privileged position compared to how she grew up, and she does kind of play into that of, like, oh, well, now I need to act like this old white woman who's yelling at this kid. Yeah. Um, which is just, I don't know. I Her her character is so confusing to me. Like, I, I like her. I like, like, she, I think she's interesting. Her but adaptive I, personality. Yeah, of but she is like she wants to be it. different and she wants to like feel like she's doing her own thing, but then also like very much seems like she has no true desires in life. Like even when Nathan asks her how she got into being a lawyer, she's like, I don't know, just like happened. <laughs> like it doesn't just happen. You don't just become a lawyer. Like she just sort of is like floating through life, but happens to be very successful at floating through life. Um, or I mean, she also like focused on maybe just being successful without, and like stopped there. Yeah. Or just doing well. She just wanted to do well and get out, and like stopped there. And and like she, same with her marriage. Real, like she talks yeah. about how she doesn't even like her husband mm-hmm. like there's one I took a picture of one quote in particular where she was like listening to him talk to a waitress and he was like she was like I realized that I don't like him <laughs> like mm. um, yeah she said at one point employing the phrase look we're both educated brothers it occurred to Natalie Blake that she was not happily she was not very happily married goofy made lame jokes offended people he was in constant good humor yet he was stubborn like goes on and on about all these things she doesn't like about her husband yeah i i kind of i don't i don't know got into a bit of a funk that happens sometimes when i'm reading where like that particular part like when she states out loud that she's unhappy in her marriage and like leah has gone on about how she's fucking taking birth control even like lying to her husband and they're both just in these terribly unhappy marriages it depressed me for a few days and i what well i i i hope we would get to this we're there when you just brought it up but but the marriage aspect i think it's not as equivalent in my eyes about like where they both end up in their marriages and their lives in general 
obviously, Leah lying to Michelle is shitty and a terrible thing and, and taking the birth control and all of that. I don't know that their marriage is comparable to Natalie's and her husband's. No, I think they're both they're both fucked up in different reasons, but I think Natalie's and Frank's is way worse. And the thing is, is like yeah, in, I agree with within that. Natalie's section, even it gave more context to Leah anyway. And I know that we had talked about certain instances of like Leah's life falling apart. I think it's like in a relative context to maybe where she was at, because a lot of the descriptors we get of Leah is of her carefree nature and her general satisfaction with in certain instances of where she's at in life without needing to have the ambition in the end a lot of these doubts i think maybe get exacerbated like her comparing herself to natalie or whatever by the initial event that happens at the beginning that starts the whole book because uh, that was a very consequential thing but what i gathered after natalie's section is that again looking past the birth control thing and it almost seemed like it was helpful to get that out in the open with Leah and Michelle and that there was a way forward for their marriage whereas with Natalie and Frank's there presumably is not that's interesting I I think that like Leah's seems to be way more of a positive character to me at the end despite like it all culminating in Natalie needing to go over to like mitigate whatever was Whatever conversations I'd gone on, I had a totally different look at Leah at the end. And I don't think that I can say it's comparable that, like, both of their lives were going to shit. Both of their marriages were going to shit. I think Natalie was on such a weird life path that, like, is kind of crumbling beneath her. And I think that there is a way forward for Leah. But that was just my personal take upon getting to the end. I I, think Natalie's was so illuminating to me. I think that overall, like, even in the first half, like, Leah and Michelle... I felt like they loved each other. Yeah. Like, Leah definitely would talk about all that all the time, like, how much she loved being with him. And they had, like, fights, and she lied to him. But I, I agree that I think there's more hope for them. I do think that it's maybe problematic that it's only focused on the birth control at the end and not the secret abortion that she had, because yeah. that I think that would be more hurtful to Michelle than the birth control that there was like a possibility and she Mm -hmm. did that to her body without like mentioning it ever but i don't know that he has any reason to ever find out about that like i don't there's no like physical proof maybe um but natalie even when she describes like first dating um frank she's like She's like, I don't know. I wasn't really interested in him. Like, he just was there. And they, like, she talks, like, kind of like they're, like, seemed like something that pulled them together, but she doesn't put it in, like, very romantic terms. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of like he kept being around and, like, there maybe seemed like there was something. Mm-hmm. And then they got married and had two children, and she also maybe seems like she hates her children. Yeah. And with and with Leah's from Natalie's perspective, it was like a total opposite experience where like I can't necessarily remember if like it got into that much of 
Leah and Michelle's relationship beginnings. Yeah, but from they did. but from Natalie's perspective, it was definitely fleshed out a lot more. And from Natalie's perspective, and upon hearing it from like a, like a third party perspective of like where we're not in Leah's head the whole time, where it's going off in a thousand different directions. It seemed to be more of a natural relationship and something that started on a better foundation and then that they actually loved each other, obviously had the physical attraction really to each quick. other. It was Their quick. Their marriage but was really quick. And she, like, Leah notes in the first section that they they only became friends after oh, they got right, married. Oh, right, right, right. They had all that list of the things yeah. they did before this or that. But still, like, even throughout all of that, there was, like, the inherent attraction uh and also just the goodwill that they seem to have toward each other mm-hmm. as opposed to, as you mentioned, like with Natalie just being like, yeah, you're just kind of there. It kept yeah, showing up. it almost felt like they were competitive with each other. Like yeah. it wasn't oh, like. Oh, for sure. It wasn't. I, I, neither of them seemed smitten ever. It was just kind of like, you are also successful. Let's be successful. <laughs> together (laughs) yeah like i don't know um it's really sad yeah yeah i that's what i was gonna say also is that like reading especially about natalie's descriptions of her marriage and like her family i was just for like a few days i like didn't want to come back to the book for a little while because i was like it was just so sad Mm. and so depressing to like like she felt stuck and she already had kids and she was just like I fucking hate my life and I just don't feel like I don't know it was it was like it was rough for me to read that and just uh and I don't know and also I guess I don't know I was I was comparing like their marriages in my head the whole time but um but I mean there was like there were shitty parts of Leah's marriage at this like you know for different reasons um and that was also just super depressing and disappointing to me that like all she needed to do was just out and say hey let's talk about this baby thing and she just continued to not and she just continued to lie to him and i don't know it just was like a lot of there was a lot of like unfortunate bummer build up on both sides and it was a little much for me at times like not to the point where I wanted to like stop reading um completely but uh it was just really heavy at times um and it really got it really got to me like, it kind of got under my skin um yeah I just I don't know I wanted to bring that up um I want to talk about the ending uh <laughs> really fast just mm-hmm. because what a ride uh just because it was a ride and also Jamie already mentioned a little bit but also because I was reading earlier an article from around when the book came out and um Maureen Corrigan uh on Fresh Air uh in 2012 um she like had a segment um where she essentially was talking about like whether Northwest was worth the wait um and she she gives it a mostly like positive review like for the first like three quarters of the she said she like she enjoyed it and she uh but then she gets to the end and she's like um essentially like the last like everything like went to shit in the last like seven chap like very short chapters um and she was really disappointed and um was just like uh she she said she hopes that zadie smith at one time 
uh, at one point, at some point, gets the opportunity to do what Dickens did and rewrite the end of the book, um, which I thought was pretty scathing. Um, but I wondered, yeah, I, I don't know. I wonder what you guys thought. I, I didn't particularly enjoy it. I think it was it was way too uh, it was way too abrupt, and also I don't know. I just thought it was uh, unsatisfying. Um, yeah, my initial reaction, I would like to say I finished the book today. Um, I read about 100 pages today, so it's fresh in my mind. But I was reading when I got home from work um, in our bedroom, and Brian came in at one point and noticed that I was like maybe 15 pages from the end. And he said something along the lines of like, doozy. a doozy coming up. Um, which is fine, a little spoilery, but whatever, Brian. It's fine. But also, I disagree. Like, when you said that, I expected way more to happen, and then it just felt very anti-climactic. I would, I would not call it a doozy. Yeah, well, because, like, you said, the part that I was at when you said that was right before she goes to the bridge with Nathan. And so I really thought she was going to jump off because you said it was a doozy. And then she just didn't. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and she just talks to Leah and it's then it's done. <laughs> and I was just kind of it like... It was pretty anticlimactic. I was like, me. "That's what doozy were you referring to? Where was the doozy? Uh, the doozy comes from the buildup to the fact that, you know, we learned about Nathan from the beginning, which again... I wish I could confirm this, but they save Nathan as children. I wish I could confirm this. Three people who have the literal book. I yeah, know where to look. I, know. I, 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 I don't. I don't either. I wouldn't know. But I just thought it was like an implied thing. They never really outwardly said it. But there's so many instances of like, oh, there's that boy. Like the 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 boy. Like the boy that they were talking about. There was all these instances of like, look, it's Nathan, that boy. Remember you guys, that boy. So anyway, they save Nathan. Natalie happens to be around the night Nathan is a part of an armed robbery. This, also, no, okay, can, can I finish? Can I finish? Confirmed. Can I finish? Can I finish? That, that's the thing. So, <laughs> so uh, the thing is, is that like they save Nathan. He's a promising kid at the beginning. They go forth. Natalie happens to be there. Nathan's already in a bad way, and then they are the ones that turn him in to authorities. And again, it's not confirmed, but he's going to be a person of interest. He already has issues anyway that they're going to be looking into as far as his uh, drug peddling uh, or even just possession in general, his, you know, obvious propensity for crime. Like, it was just to have that arc of them saving him and then destroying him, of regardless of whether or not it was true, like from beginning to end. Like, that felt like a doozy to me, that, like, they were so influential in Nathan's life in two directions. And even just the fact that it ended up that Nathan uh, allegedly was the one that killed Felix anyway. Like, that's a doozy. He killed the, somebody. The killing Felix was the doozy, but it they didn't save Nathan. It was Leah who was saved. Oh, okay. But I don't know by whom. I'm literally looking it up right now. I am... Um, See, that's the thing. I My brain, like, 
And apparently this is not true, what you just said. But my response to that was going to be, I don't think that that was built up well enough for that to be the point. Because I did, I literally didn't remember what you were talking about. Yeah, well... Well, regardless, just to him murdering anyway, like, that's huge. And but the fact that he was it, promising. Is there any proof that that is even true? Because I, I got to that last page and it didn't feel like a doozy because I was like, what? Like, where is the evidence that that is? Like, because Natalie claims that she's, like, putting the pieces together in her mind and something fell off. But then they don't explain to me what the pieces were. I mean, because like, it was already, like, there was implications of when they were... Like the lights coming through, Nathan was avoiding the cops. Yeah, I just—I don't know. It just felt too like he was just walking down the down the street. It felt too incidental to me. Not, yeah, I don't know. That's—I just like—I don't know. I was just like, is it? Did did he do it? Maybe he did. But also, I just still, I still want to know more about Nathan. I don't feel like I know enough about him to even feel like, oh no, it was Nathan. Like I'm just like, okay, this weird dude who they mentioned 87 times, but I know next to nothing about him. Like that's my brain. I'm just like, okay, I guess it was Nathan. <laughs> I don't know. I just think a lot of it. I. I don't know. I guess there's just a disconnect between. I just don't understand how that couldn't be a doozy of like the tragedy of his situation of like being a promising young man and like such simple things that other people could avoid, like ultimately like leads to his downfall anyway. Like regardless of whether he did it or not, he's in a position because he had a very low social safety net to even allow him to be able to like fight any charges that would come his way like just willy-nilly just because you know the focus is on their starting place in a low socioeconomic uh position at the beginning of the novel that nathan has a misstep of drug addiction where in a lot of other situations of maybe more wealth for instance that he'd be able to turn that around that was just one thing in high school leads him to the streets gets involved in shady activity which again whether or not he did it they're still putting him in as a person of interest. And as we've seen in a lot of other instances, there can be, you know, it can be difficult for people of low means to be able to avoid, uh, like, prosecution in those cases. Like, that to me is is very I, significant. I, I, class privilege is a doozy. Exactly. I, That's I, why I don't understand why this is, like, anticlimactic. Like, that feels, I like, pretty heavy to me. all of that. It is heavy. It's I'm heavy, not but saying, it's not climactic. I'm saying, what we, I'm we saying... We agree to disagree, I suppose. <laughs> is that I agree with all of that. I understand where you're coming from. I got all of that from what's happening here. Like, but it doesn't feel like a doozy or it doesn't feel like a climax to me because I don't feel like I actually know Nathan that well. I don't care about Nathan. Yeah, I don't care about Nathan. I feel like I it would feel like so much more of a doozy if I heard way more about that story of him falling off. Like, it feels like I got five sentences of him being like, oh, you were really smart. What happened? And then suddenly it's like, oh, he's maybe killed someone. Yeah, was that the point? Why are we? Why is the focus so hard on Felix and not Nathan? Why, like, why is it so disproportionate in the, uh, like, inversely proportional to how important they're supposed to be in the story? Like, Felix has tons of time and Nathan has none, but they're switched. Why? Like, what is yeah. the point? I don't understand the point of that. 
I feel like Nathan deserved more. That's what time. I I like, needed to care about Nathan. I like the arc of the story. I like the idea. I just wanted <laughs> 40 more pages about Nathan. Yeah. That's what I want because I want to understand more what happened. And maybe you feel like more satisfied with the information we were given than I do. I would agree. Okay. <laughs> All right. It's, it's heated in here it right now. It is a little tense. <laughs> I mean, well, I just I just don't think that, you know, from... I'm uh, not saying you're wrong. No, I'm not saying you guys are wrong either. I just am saying, like, at, at this point of, like, going back and forth, like, it does come down to just, like, fundamental satisfaction of, like, the details we were getting. Yeah, so, I was so just I'm not making saying, sure that I'm we not understood saying, each no, other. No, we do, we do. I, I'm not saying you're wrong and you're not saying I'm wrong. I just don't, like... We couldn't go down either avenue because more because we both just have like fundamental disagreements on the information we were given. I thought it was quite a doozy of an ending and, mm-hmm. and you didn't. And that's OK. Is it? <laughs> yeah, it certainly is. It, is. Fine? it certainly is. I like the book a lot. I really enjoyed the book. I top three maybe is pushing it i well, don't do, know do we want to go to final thoughts just to yeah let's give everybody yeah, their piece let's do final thoughts you want to start sure i can start um my final thoughts are i really enjoyed the book there were a lot of moments that i really like it felt like a page turner i wanted to know what was happening with a lot of different people i was disappointed in the ending and i would like to know more about nathan that's I mean, justice for nathan that those are my overall <laughs> thoughts i just like I did really enjoy it. I thought that the style was interesting. There were a lot of... The characters were really well-developed, other than Nathan. Uh, Let's talk more about Nathan. If I hear Nathan Nathan and underdeveloped (laughs) in the same sentence again, (laughs) do I have a flash? No. Oh my god! Um, but I, I generally enjoyed it. Four out of five stars. Oh hell yeah! So we're doing the ratings. <laughs> I guess the precedence has been. Set. I just wanted Brian to feel like I liked it. <laughs> you don't have to. Check. You seem so I'm, I'm not. No, I, I'm trying to not say anything. Listeners, he is on the table. Not, he is screaming. I'm not angry. I'm just I, I, screaming. You literally <laughs> were screaming. During my final thoughts, Brian. God damn. Uh, final thoughts, Danny. Uh, I <laughs> I enjoyed it. I did not really enjoy it. Um, I was gonna give it four stars. Uh, the second half brought it down a star for me. I so three stars. So, yeah, no. So I started out after the first half. I was on a four star track. And then the second, why are you laughing? It was not a classic four star trajectory. I mean, I was. It was four star material. Again, if Goodreads would have freaking half reviews, justice for half reviews on Goodreads, I was at a five star review the first half. I really liked the first half. Yeah, I mean, I was going through the first, at the end of the first half, I was on a four-star trajectory and then the second half really didn't do it for me and brought it down a star um i enjoyed the structure overall i think sometimes it got in the way of the content um but yeah i don't know i 
I generally liked it. I just think, like, I definitely know that I'm against the grain just from looking at, like, the other reviews on Goodreads, obviously from, like, talking to you guys as well. I, I honestly think that it was really well crafted i thought that the structure added a lot to the story more than five it subtracted i think Are it is fiving? for me i really think that you, it was you i really think that it was uh i enjoyed a lot of the other aspects of it of um you know just a story of modernity like it's just nice to <laughs> tell us more about the, the modern, modern age era. baby um modernity modernity Moder- did well, you get that from me? I said that earlier. So <laughs> just there were so many aspects of it that were more relatable than a lot of other. I, I just feel like there's a lot of un, um, untrod ground for stories like this about like anxiety in this particular period of time. Because a lot of it, you know, they started getting into um, side issues within their own personal satisfaction with their lives regarding technology um, and how a lot of that access ended up, like in Natalie's case, blowing up her entire life. Uh, and other pieces of anxiety as far as like the assimilation and globalization of all of the different cultures in the world, because obviously this played a big factor as well as far as these various characters had immigrant families into Northwest London. It wasn't a homogenous culture that was involved here, and yet they're all assimilating into a similar cultural structure and something that we're still dealing with today of, like, how do you find your place in a modern era where we have access to information regarding everything, and how do you balance that with the culture that has traditionally been a huge part of all of these families across the globe um and so i thought that was a very interesting take of like seeing those cultures come together like with felix's father talking about their history or them getting into you know just anybody's family backgrounds i just thought a lot of that was really powerful and uh I just think that the characters were really compelling. I liked the ability of us to get different perspectives of each of the characters in each individual section. I thought they crossed over quite well. And I liked that Leah got to have her section first and we got into her mind and really got almost a more updated uh, view of her character more so in Natalie's section than in Leah's section herself. So, um, I don't know. Overall, I just thought it was really amazing, and I'm really happy we we read this for the last one. I'm also happy to have read it. Yes. Four out of five stars. Five out of five stars. <laughs> Can we not end it on my three out of five stars? <laughs> for her own choice. Listen, sometimes that happens. Sometimes it does happen. It um, often happens in my own reading all the time, actually. I read a lot of three out of five star books. You do. So, anyway, this is... Uh, this I did read a lot of books. This did end up being a little bit more of a thick episode. This was a thick sode, guys. Um, got got some uh, nice tense moments for the final episode. I think we also got a little bit more toasty by the end of this episode. But I, we've talked about certain things that we don't talk about as much. 
like the music, for instance. We also have some beverages while we're having these episodes. I'm fine. We're having Bloody Marys, having they, Union Jack. They should, listeners should know what they're getting into. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys should. Uh, I'm one bloody, one beer deep, friends. We, we give you the what we're drinking section first so you can have the same <laughs> drinks <laughs> while you listen. Pause the content. <laughs> Make a Bloody Mary <laughs> right ep- now. Do the episode. <laughs> Find that Union Purchase Jack IPA. Drink every time Brian says the modern era. <laughs> modern age. Okay. Modern age. Modernity. Um, modernity. Um, so yeah, that was the uh I guess final episode of the season. I think the next one we can do a bonus episode. Well, the the next one is the like is the season finale episode. technically, yeah, we'll but it can episode. be like a, like a transition, a wrap up. Yeah, wrap up and also transition. Well, I don't know. We'll get into it. We should hopefully record the episode soon. Rating of all the books. Oh yeah, we're uh, rating of deep. all the beers. We're gonna go deep on the ratings, um, friends. I, I've actually found some streamlined stuff I want to get into, so we're not needing to like go down a whole list and have do been, like. Have you been planning Grammy us? style of like the nominees of best beer, <laughs> best Union supporting Jack, Blood Orange, <laughs> Town, Tank Seven, Weed, beer. Weed Beer. Oh, the Weed Beer. <laughs> um, the Weed Beer. So anyway, we'll have a bit of a nostalgic episode next time. And guys, congrats on a whole freaking season. A whole freaking year. A whole freaking year. Thanks, guys. This is good times. Dope. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thanks to whoever out there is listening. All of our listeners. All of our devoted fans. Ho- We're going to have merch next season. <laughs> <Hopefully>. <laughs> a few of you. Hopefully. Um, I want to make a tote bag. By the time anybody has gotten to this episode. <laughs> pins. Hopefully, any, by the time anybody got to this episode, this podcast is on real podcast streaming services. That's my goal. It's going to happen. With millions of subscribers. I, I'm not going that far. I just want it to be on the platform. That's Speaking my... of, this is sponsored by me, Undies. Yeah, no, also, Quip. This is probably illegal. <laughs> Sorry. As we've done every episode. Bleep. Not spun. Sponsored by. Hashtag spun. not spun. Um, so, yeah. Any uh, quick final thoughts on the season? <laughs> on the season? No, no I'm, I'm just, saving them for I'm the just next kidding. pod. We can do that next time. Um Good job, guys. Seven books in, seven books out. We will uh, be back with one more episode on a recap. Who's trying to scat? I think it's your turn. Oh, no. It's your turn. You haven't done it in a while. I produce. Brian. (laughs) Scat. Doop, 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 doop. (laughs) It was perfect. Nice. Good job. Thanks, guys. We will catch you next time. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>